This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. And welcome back to the Church Society podcast. I'm Lee Gatiss. I'm the director of Church Society. And with me today is Dr. Ros Clark, who is the associate director of Church Society, the course leader of the Priscilla program, the network Führer of co-workers. Uh, that is not actual... the official title that no, we not the use. Official title? Okay, I think please. I think we just go for leader, really. Okay, leader, leader of that. And uh, also... Uh, dear listener, she is um, she is a member of the General Synod of the Church of England. Now, the General Synod of the Church of England is meeting between the 6th and the 9th of February. Um, and Ros, therefore, has lots of meetings, along with dozens of other church society members who are members of that synod. And so I thought it'd be good if we chatted to Ros about what's going on. There are probably... I don't know, maybe some controversial issues coming up on Synod that she might like to tell us about. Um, but there's probably all sorts of other things, Ros, that we don't know so much about because they don't get the press. So tell us what's happening. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into every detail of every amending canon and, you know, draft diocesan stipends, funds, measure and so on. There is quite a lot of business that happens at a general synod. If you've ever been on a PTC, if you've ever been on a diocesan synod, um, you'll know that there's just a lot of legal sort of business that has to happen in those meetings. And it's not always very clear to those of us who are non-specialists. It's not always terribly controversial, but it is usually important. So there is quite a lot of that happening. What I thought I would mostly do is rather than just talk you through all of the things, um, is just give you some pointers to different things happening each day, and particularly some ideas of what would be useful to pray for. So Synod is starting today on Monday. It starts after lunch. And at lunch, we have a joint church society and 1990 group lunch. So the 1990 group is the group of complementarian evangelicals on General Synod. There's a strong overlap with that group and church society membership. And (laughs) so uh, we did this last year and it was really wonderful. We met at a cafe just across the road from Synod. We had a room that we booked Uh, last year. Lee came and and gave us a a sort of encouraging thought as we went out uh, into Synod. I'm sure that was excellent, wasn't it? It was excellent. We had some time, you know, just to chat to each other. And, you know, most of us don't see each other uh, more than a couple of times of year of the year. Um, And so that was obvious. So we're doing that again. Uh, Lee can't join us because he will be at the Fellowship of Word and Spirit Conference Uh, today. But we're delighted instead to have uh, the right Reverend Rob Monroe join us. So Rob has been on General Synod for a number of years and he was previously a member of this group and came to the lunch last year. Because he has now moved into the House of Bishops, he is now no longer on General Synod. So if you move diocese or if you change from being a lay person to an ordained person, from a clergy person to a bishop, you do, your, your place on Synod doesn't stay with you. 
Now, technically, he's moved into the College of Bishops, not the House of Bishops, Sorry. because he's not allowed to be on Synod now. Um, with the Synod group of bishops is the House of Bishops, but well, he's not in that, is he? He doesn't. No, get that's true. If he's there. become, if he'd become one of the bishops who is in the House of Bishops, then he would be automatically on Synod. In the College of Bishops, uh, in his position, he would have to be elected on. Uh, right. to represent uh, the bishops and and obviously that hasn't happened anyway he's coming to encourage us so that'll be a wonderful start do you pray that that will be a, a real um sort of uh there'll be a great spirit of, of unity and being together as we go in to contend uh, for the gospel over these difficult few days and similarly mm -hmm. in the evening uh today on the monday there's the the dinner held by the evangelical group on General Synod. So that's a much broader group that that broadly speaking represents the Church of England Evangelical Council group and the, the breadth of evangelicals there. And there's around 150 people in that group. That is a sizable group um, on Synod altogether. I think it's about 450 so eggs represents about a third of all synod members and does include bishops, clergy and lay people. And that's again, great that's, to have so many evangelicals in the evangelical group on general synod. You know, evangelicals as quite a sizable proportion. It's of really wonderful. Synod. It's really wonderful. And again, that has felt over the last year or so of, of this uh, particular quinquennium of synod, a, a really united group particularly around the, the issue that we're facing with LLF. There's a real sense that everybody in that that group is contending together in the same way. Um, you know, we're not kind of pulling in different directions if you're church society or fulcrum or new wine or whatever. We're all contending in the same way for the same thing. Uh, you just used you issue. just used a word that not all of our listeners will understand. You said in this quinquennium. What on yes. earth is that? So every five years, general synod members are elected. And if somebody leaves, uh, as I mentioned before, or, you know, something happens to them and they can't continue, there can be by-elections. But essentially the same people are elected for a whole five-year period. Uh, and that is technically known as a quin for five, quenium for year period. There we go. <laughs> anyway, so those are the sort Thank of you. bookends of social stuff that's happening. In between that, on the first day of Synod, uh, we always have a presidential address. The business committee tell us why why we've got what we've got on the agenda and everybody else stands up to say this is what they think should have been on the agenda instead. <laughs> um, like I say, we've got some draft amending canons and then we've got a presentation on living in love and faith. So this will be given by Sarah Mullally, who's the Bishop of London. She'll be giving an overview of what's happened throughout the living in love and faith process. I don't know whether there will be much discussion at that point. There may be an opportunity for some questions about her report, but essentially it's just a presentation. Um, and then the last part of today's business is questions. So Synod members are invited to submit questions a couple of weeks before the Synod. They get farmed out to whoever is the appropriate person to respond. We'll get written responses to those before Synod starts. And so this session in Synod is a chance for supplementary questions to be asked. Now, you can imagine many questions will have been asked about uh, the bishop's proposals. Hundreds, uh, probably. Many, many questions. It's hard to know. We've got just over an hour probably for that time. Which questions will get 
opportunity to be aired. There's always too many, and they sort of arbitrarily pick where they start in the middle of the list. Hmm. We may get loads of questions on living in love and faith with chance for further supplementaries. It may not be. It, you know, I asked a question on behalf of someone in our diocese about wedding and funeral fees. I, you know, if that gets called, I'm not sure I have a supplementary for that. But, it, you know, so we just don't know in that section what will come we, up. We get to see, don't we, the um, the great unwashed, the, the general public. We get to see the answers, the written answers yes. to all the questions. So all the general synod papers, I think, are on the Church of England website. So if you are interested... Uh, you are welcome to go and download any or all of those. And that will include, uh, as you say, the written answers uh, to all the questions, whether or not they get aired in discussion. We might be able to share those with people, I suppose, in yeah. our, in our yeah. regular newsletter that we email we out to people probably who put a link signed in up there. Yeah. And then if anyone is interested, they can just follow the link and find those. So that's Monday. It shouldn't be too controversial, but it will be interesting to see what uh, Bishop Sarah Mullally has to say. Mm. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday begins, well, all days of Synod begin for me with a prayer meeting. Uh, so that's the 99th group that I mentioned. We meet uh, every day at eight o'clock for a, a prayer meeting before some of us have really woken up. But it is a, a really great thing to start the day with some like-minded people hearing from the, the word of God, praying together about the business for the day, and also just having chance for a brief chat about what's coming up on the agenda, what things we might want to be aware of, what, what would be useful for someone to say, and so on. There are one or two people in that group. Listeners would, would be delighted to know, I'm sure, that this, because this is not a video podcast anymore at the moment, um, uh, listeners would be delighted to know that Roz's face looked was an absolute picture when she was describing the 8 a.m. prayer meeting. She looked thrilled with that idea I know. of an and early you know, morning prayer meeting. It's even worse. So last year, because, because COVID regulations were still sort of in operation in some way in church house, we didn't meet there. We met in the cafe. So at least you could go and have your breakfast at the prayer meeting. Right, and yeah. then in July, when we were in York, you couldn't have breakfast, but there was at least tea and coffee in the room. This time, I believe there is going to be nothing. So either you have to get up even earlier to get your breakfast and your cup of tea, or you have to put up without it. So it's going to be... You need a thermos, Ros. You need to get a thermos flask. Anyway, there are one or two people in that group who are very involved in synodical process. There's someone who's on the business committee. There's somebody who chairs debates. And it's really helpful sometimes to hear from them about some of the procedural things that are going to happen and what what it's helpful for us to think about, to know as we think about how we might vote or participate in different yeah. things, to try and be as astute as we can be about how things yes. work, not just the principles of, of what we want to say. So we've got a number of things on Tuesday. We've got some, some things about diocesan boards of education. We've got the loyal address, uh, which uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury will move. Uh, we'll move the motion that a loyal address be presented to His Majesty the King on the occasion of his accession to the throne. So this is quite a significant synod. It is the very first meeting of the General Synod ever without Her Majesty the Queen. So General Synod began meeting in 1970 and she had been to every single one until last November in person. Mm. And then uh, since then she sent you know, uh, we have Prince Edward come and give a speech on her behalf. But this is the first time that the loyal address will be presented to anyone other than Her Late Majesty. So that is quite a significant moment. Yeah. 
Um, we've got another session of questions. Uh, a, an ongoing debate that has been had about resourcing ministerial formation. Ministerial formation is what we now call training ordinance. And um, I know Kirsty Burkett has thoughts about the move from training to formation, uh, but we won't discuss that here and now. But there are some important issues. I spoke in the debate on resourcing ministerial formation last summer, and I might well speak on it again this year. Um, we'll see how it goes. Then the big thing on Tuesday afternoon is living in love and faith group work. So group work is typically mm. not not all that well attended in Synod, and, and many of us sort of fear it with a certain amount of dread and trembling, just because it's group work, and we hate that in every situation. <laughs> um, but it is really important that we participate in it. Um, we don't know exactly what, what will be under discussion in these groups. They will all be led by a bishop who will have been given specific questions um, to lead that. So it won't be a general, what does everyone think about where we're at free for all? It will be a, you know, a carefully led discussion. But nonetheless, there will be opportunity to, for everybody to participate here. And I think there's a real opportunity here for those of us who have great concerns about the proposals to indicate some of the, the practical consequences and pastoral consequences that there might be. They, the proposals are just not very coherent. They're not very well thought through. Even I think if one were in favor of them theologically, there is some very serious problems with what's going on there. So I think that's a really important session before we get to the big debate in the Chamber of Synod for evangelicals to try and um, help some people understand why these proposals aren't aren't a good thing at any level and particularly it's some probably of those... good that you start on a small level like that with a small group isn't it so yeah definitely and I think there's real potential for conversations there with people who not necessarily are on the fence what they think about same-sex relationships but actually what would be best for the church and I think if you can show actually this is going to cause chaos in parishes and in dioceses I think in many ways the proposal is very unkind to uh, same-sex couples because they will have no confidence if they approach a, a vicar about having a service in church, whether he'll say yes or no. And, you know, that doesn't seem to me hugely welcoming and so on. So um, we're putting together a list of the sorts of situations where these could work out very badly in practice and hope that, that we'll be able to help people see some of that and, you know, sway some minds about how they might be intending to vote on the next day. I think that will be. So do yeah. really pray for those discussions that that everybody, particularly those perhaps who don't always feel confident to speak in the big debates, will have a real chance there to to speak up for. So what that's Tuesday. Think. Those 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 discussions, those group group work, as you called it, is Tuesday. So we can definitely Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, probably. Um, I think it's about. Um, two o'clock till five o'clock something like that okay um so there's yeah a fair amount of time given to that although i think there's sort of two 40 minute sessions in the actual groups um so yeah so that's a bit that would be a really great thing to pray for on tuesday um and i think that will do a lot in terms of setting the tone for what happens when we come to wednesday oh what comes after tuesday it's wednesday the big the big day for the llf 
It is. I mean, there are other important things on the agenda for for Wednesday. There's a debate about the cost of living crisis and not just how that impacts people within the church, which it does. You know, people on churches are struggling to pay their energy bills. Old churches are very difficult to heat. And, and those prices are going up, but also obviously in the communities of people that we minister to and care for, there's a very substantial cost of living crisis. And sometimes the church, uh, the synod passes these kind of motions to enable the bishops who sit in the House of Lords in particular to have some weight behind their statements if they're calling the government to account on how they should act in these sort of situations. Um, so we're discussing that, we're discussing parish fees, uh, we, we've got uh, three amending canons miscellaneous provisions. What, what is that? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, in, in, I think, oh, I, I'm looking at it. Actually, part one is called the demise of the crown. So there's a lot of things where we just need to agree that we're going to change the word queen for king. Oh, so that, that's gonna... not a new TV programme on Netflix called The Demise of the Crown. No, no. We're going to replace F- Philip Duke of Edinburgh with Camilla the Queen Consort. Yes. So that should be relatively uncontroversial, I think. Though some may take the opportunity to talk about disestablishment. Anyway, there will be other things in there. It's miscellaneous. And it usually those are not very big and significant things, but they are legally important things. Um, are you an anti-disestablishmentarian, Roz? I I don't think I can express my views on that in the remaining time for this. Fair enough. Carry on. We'll do a podcast on disestablishment later, maybe. Another time, yeah. Anyway, so then the big thing for that day is, as you say, the living in love and faith debate. This item will invite Synod to engage with the proposals being, being brought forward by the House of Bishops as a result of the living in love and faith process. Now, the thing to note here is that the Synod is not being asked to vote, to scrutinise or vote on the proposals themselves. What we are being given, and I'm just looking for it now, I don't think I can find it in this moment. We're being asked to agree to a number of things. We're being asked to agree that we lament the way that uh, LGBT people have been treated by the church in the past. Uh, we're being asked to extend a radical kind of welcome to people uh, now. Um, We're being asked to um, welcome the fact that living in love and faith is an ongoing process of learning and listening and loving and faith or something. Um, We're being asked to welcome new pastoral proposal, new pastoral guidelines for clergy that will replace something called issues in human sexuality. The new pastoral guidelines are not being published until July. I do not know how Synod can welcome something that that it has never seen and doesn't know what it will include. I I find that an utterly bizarre. So it's just a blank check, I think. They're hoping hoping that they'll be done in July, but there's no certainty of that, is there? No, exactly. Well, no. And I, I just think even if there were, and even if they could give us an idea of what was in it, we might welcome the idea of it, but I, I can't welcome something I, I don't know what it contains. I mean, I'm not that, you know, I read contracts before I sign them. I might not always read terms and conditions, but I do read contracts and I'm not voting for something that I haven't seen. I find that utterly ridiculous. Um, but then also we're being asked to welcome um, the the sort of draft of the the prayers of love and faith that the bishops have put together, mm. subject to the idea that it will 
continue to be revised and refined before it's published. And again, I find that even if I were substantially in agreement with those prayers, it's very difficult, isn't it? If, I, if you say, but yes, we're going to go away and, and change them. Well, I don't know how I might feel about the revised version. I, I, yeah, so there's a lot. And of- actually, a lot of those prayers have already been through synodical approval because about half of those prayers are taken straight from the marriage service in exactly. worship. And ju- they're just going to be repurposed, repurposed from the marriage service to um, not bless, but uh, pray for God's blessing on the people involved in same-sex marriages. Right. So the actual proposals themselves are extremely problematic. Um, There are a number of things that that may or may not happen at Synod next week to, to be aware of as you pray. So first is a legal challenge is being brought, I understand, against um, the whole motion because it rests on the fact that the bishops are arguing that this constitutes no change in the church's doctrine or authorised liturgy. Now, I think as soon as you begin to read it, it's very clear that it changes the church's doctrine, not just the doctrine of marriage, but as we talked about last week on the podcast, their doctrine of scripture and sin and salvation and sanctification. And in many ways, it changes the church's doctrine. And you know, it's not just here's a group of, of prayers that you might use on occasion. It's here's 30 or so prayers, and here are two orders of service. And these are not, you know, normally you might have a commended prayer, like, for example, when the Queen died. Very appropriate for them to commend a prayer for use in that situation. doesn't need to be authorised and agreed by Synod and, and all the rest of it. But this is something they're proposing should be used on a regular basis as an order of service. Now, I believe there are very technical definitions of what is authorised liturgy and what is a right, but it's hard for me to see how this is not any of those things. So there is a legal challenge being brought to suggest that actually the way these proposals are being brought to Synod is actually illegal and it ought to be presented as a change in doctrine and liturgy, and that requires a different process a different kind of voting criteria for synod much more scrutiny and so on so that's happening that's good that's happening a a gravamen a serious exactly grievance exactly and like i said i don't understand all the legal details of that but that is one thing another thing that is happening is a lot of amendments have been or will be tabled to the motion so any motion that is brought to synod somebody is free i think you have to get you know, enough supporters behind you, but you can suggest an amendment to it. And this is, you know, a good process for improving motions or clarifying or expanding their scope as appropriate. In this case, I think there will be a number of amendments to, you know, to change some of those ridiculous words, you know, we won't have to welcome, you know, we can amend it so that we don't welcome pastoral guidelines that haven't yet been written. You know, you could put an amendment that says, you know, Synod is glad to hear that new pastoral guidelines will be written and will look forward to, you know, reviewing them in, in the future. Voting those down at the next Synod. Yeah. Right, or something <laughs> like that. But but another reason for that is, is potentially just as a delaying tactic, mm. because actually those amendments can take quite a long time. Everyone has to be debated and then voted on, and then you go back and, 
you end up with a motion that no one can quite remember what it was because we've amended it so often. And Does it so not change ways. automatically on your Synod app iPad? I'm afraid it doesn't right. update quite that quickly. Oh. So um, the chair will not want that to happen. They will want to try and get through the business. There is potential that if we don't get through it that day, some of it could be carried over until the next day. But also there's potential that it may have to be carried over until July uh, when Synod meets again. So that is one possibility that it just may not make it through the synodical process. Um, but also the likelihood is that we'll get to some amended form of the motion probably, and then there will be an actual debate on the substance of the motion. And that will be a, a, a standard 50% vote. I think it will be a vote counted by the houses. So we'll know how the bishops voted, how the clergy voted, how the lay people voted but it won't require a two thirds majority, which is what you have to have for a change in doctrinal liturgy. And it doesn't it matter be. anyway, because the bishops will still, can right. still, and already said they're going to go ahead. They can. The, I think it will be very prayers. difficult for the bishops to go ahead without making substantial changes if the motion is voted down by Synod significantly. Let's say it gets a 75% against, 25% in favor vote in Synod. It's good. quite difficult for the bishops to then say we're commending something that three quarters of synod did not want to commend. They would have, I think, yeah, it would it would be very bad PR for them. I think they would have to commit to making substantial changes and bringing them back in July or doing something else. So you're right. Legally, they can still put out any prayers they want to commend, but synod can certainly exercise some restraint on that and we would certainly aim to do so. It's interesting to note that those who are in favour of same-sex marriage are very, very upset about these proposals. Mm. Um, Jane Ozan, who's a, a vocal campaigner on this, has described them as despicable and abusive. Wow. So I think it's fair to say she will not be voting in favour of them. Wow. And I think she's got a point. It seems to me that without any doctrinal or biblical undergirding of these proposals which they've not provided because they're claiming it's not a change in doctrine they are frankly homophobic they are saying that actually same-sex relationships are good and should be celebrated and affirmed and, and we should bless people in them but only in a sort of secondary status way you know we can't actually marry you so we're going to offer you something that's that that is second class and Without That's a great point made by Ed Shaw, isn't it, as well, in mm. one of the CEC videos um, yeah. recently, that it really is a, a halfway sort of thing that, that doesn't please um, conservatives or those like us who, who think that we shouldn't go, we shouldn't do this at all. And it doesn't please those who are progressive or, you know, the gay, gay people who yeah. want to get married because it's saying, well, actually, you can't. Your relationship's not good enough to get married or... Yeah. If you genuinely think it's a good thing, you ought to have the courage of your convictions and say we must go for same-sex marriage. Yeah. And the Bishop of Oxford has been very clear about this publicly in saying that the reason the bishops didn't do that is they didn't think they would be able to pass it through synod. So it's, it's a motion that has come, I think, out of cowardice as yeah. much as anything else. Sneak anyway, attack, cowardice, yeah. sneak attack. So do pray, because there will be a lot of attacks in, on different levels and different fronts happening. It will be hard debate to follow. It is likely that there will be 
you know, a lot of tension in the room. People will be saying things that other people find very hurtful and distressing. Some people will be saying things that, yeah. that feel very angry. There will be a lot of emotion. And, and because it will be complicated, there, there are a lot of different aspects to this. It will be hard to follow, I think. Um, but pray that, that through all of that, uh, that a clear biblical voice will be heard, uh, that we must listen to what God says in Scripture, that we draw our doctrine from him and not from the world around us, that we cannot bless uh, what he has said he detests, and we must hold to the uh, orthodox historic teaching of the church on marriage, on sexual sin more widely, um, and therefore also uh, that allows us to hold to our traditional doctrine and teaching on those wider things of sin and salvation. That's yeah. Wednesday. So that's Wednesday. Um, I still think there are a couple of more days. Let's go more briefly through the, the Thursday and the Friday that you have. Um, yeah. this so Friday, uh, Thursday is a lot of things that are less controversial. We've got some more amending canons, uh, a sort of ongoing report on the governance review. We always have a report on safeguarding and where that's at. There's a debate, and um, clergy will know about the electronic register book of services that's replaced, I think, the register you used to write in yes. for marriages and baptisms and so on. There's a, there's a thing about that that we have to agree to. Stuff about clergy pensions. Insurance premium tax. This is yes. a diocesan synod motion from Lincoln. Yes. Um, so we finish at five o'clock on Thursday. I think there is some room for manoeuvring there if they want to let the LLF debate spill over until thursday oh. they might well find an hour or two for it there mm. and that might just be a everybody needs a moment to have a look at what the the motion we're finally going to vote on will be for example <laughs> yes. and, and they can put that there and so then that's the end of, of general synod itself we'll all be exhausted these are long yes. days the business yeah. starts at nine o'clock in the morning and goes on till six o'clock at the night at night most days I've got other things in the evening and prayer meetings in the morning. So I, yeah. I will be quite tired by Thursday. But then you're Friday doing some sort of, off. yeah, yeah. Well, normally it's Friday's your day off, but this, this week you've got a sort of work of super erogation above yes. and beyond the call of duty. We're not supposed to believe in works of super erogation. It says in the 39 hours. Well, I, I don't think it will um, win me my justification or hours off purgatory. Well, there you go. Then that's fine. Then we don't believe it in that <laughs> sense, but you, you're doing something on Friday, which is very important. And I think our listeners, as well yeah. to hear about that so since last summer i've been a member of the five guiding standing commission on the five guiding principles five guiding principles are what are supposed to govern uh, church of england practice supporting complementarian evangelicals and traditional catholics that is to say those who can't recognize or uh, don't agree with the ministry of ordained women and uh, consecrated women bishops so this is a group that was set up to look at how that is going uh, and monitor uh, how we're seeing it work in practice, to commend examples of good practice and to suggest changes that might be made to improve it going forward. Um, so this will be the third time we've met. Uh, it'll be the first time that Rob Monroe is joining us, which will be excellent. Um, it, the group we should sort of Bishop Rob Monroe, you need to keep exactly. saying it to get used to that. I do, exactly. Uh, because Rob Thomas was, was soon to retire when the group was formed, he hasn't been part of this, but it will be really good uh, to have Bishop Rob there. Um, 
we were due to be looking at the example, the sort of examples of how this works out in London diocese. I'm not sure if that is is going to happen this time or whether it will be put off for next time. Um, yeah, I can't remember what's on the agenda for it. But it is not a straightforward meeting. There are people with very strong opinions on opposing um, sides of this. There are people, for example, who think that uh, ordained women still aren't really flourishing within the Church of England and and are actively uh, looking to find ways that we need to support those better. There are those of us, obviously, who are complementarian evangelicals who are very concerned that it seems increasingly difficult for people like us to get appointed as incumbents, that, um, you know, there there seem to be a lot of restrictions there. There's also, uh, there are also representatives of the traditional Catholic group who have a different provision from complementarian evangelicals, but but with similarities to it. More bishops they've got. They have got quite a lot more bishops. Is Martine Oborn on there from what? She is not on there, no. But there are people who are very much of a similar persuasion, I think it's fair to say. Just I was reading her Twitter the other day and she seemed she seemed um, reluctant to affirm that Jesus was a man. Yes. Well, we haven't yet had anyone come out with that. But do pray for us because it's not a straightforward group at the best of times. I don't think after a week of synod where we are likely to have been dealing with quite fraught issues, and many of us will have had different opinions on those, Mm. to have to then sit down in a room together and talk about a different issue in a a gracious and and charitable kind of way. Pray for me in particular, because the group is chaired by my diocesan bishop, who I think I do not see eye to eye with on living in love and faith. Or on relics, or on relics. (laughs) No, well, I haven't had to deal with him personally on relics. That was the dean of our cathedral. But I have sent him quite a strong letter about the bishop's proposals and he, and had a very polite and kind response to it. But I don't think it will be straightforward to have to sit in a meeting together at the end of next week and oh. ha- to have to work out how do I treat somebody who I now think is a false teacher in a situation where we're discussing an entirely different issue, it's not straightforward and it will be very soon after and everything will feel quite raw. Whatever happens, I think, it, it's going to be hard. Um, yeah, so it would be good to pray that that meeting enables flourishing to move forward rather than put spanners in the works because we're all losing our tempers. Yes, absolutely. So one thing we need to pray for is that uh, that you um, you sleep well next week? Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> I haven't been sleeping brilliantly, and they are long days. They're full of people. They require a lot of emotional and mental input. Um, I'm always tired when I come home from synod, and I think this time is going to be even more so. So I would really value your prayers for me, but also, as we said, for for all the evangelicals who will be contending. Uh, hard this week yes well it's great to have so many members of church society on general synods uh, it's great to have a lot of evangelicals from the church of evangelical church of england evangelical council sort of constituency also on synods and we pray for you um and for anglo-catholic um brothers and sisters who'll also be contending on some of those big issues thank you ros for joining us um 
go and have a good sleep um have a cup of tea whatever it is you do at this time of day thank and you. Uh, we'll be praying for you this week why thank don't i pray you. now um i'll pray for you the fight valiantly prayer for all those on synod almighty god who gives victory to his faithful people not by might nor by power but by your holy spirit grants in your mercy that we may not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified and to fight valiantly against sin, the world and the devil, contending for the gospel as his faithful soldiers and servants until the end of our lives. For we ask in the name of Jesus, who conquered the powers of darkness and gave himself up to rescue us from this present evil age. Amen. Amen. And just to let listeners know, uh, there will be a podcast report from Synod. Uh, It probably won't be up at six o'clock on Monday morning. Uh, It may well be Tuesday, but I hope uh, that will be worth uh, listening to. I'm sure you'll have heard the sort of headline news, but we'll try and do a little bit more of a, a report and a reflection on Synod next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm -hmm.